You may be seated. Jesus, you love me too much. Too much, Lord, too much. Father, we bless you. We thank you for your presence here. We thank you for your indwelling in us by the Holy Spirit. Father, we pray that you would orchestrate our conversation this morning. Move our hearts. Let our hearts be fertile ground for the seed you want to plant. And even as Jesus said, let that seed that you plant in our hearts bring forth a crop 30, 60, 100 times what was sown so that you have a harvest and we can be a blessing to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, let's get into the word. Good to see you all here. Our family's been online for a while, so it's, uh, it's a little different seeing actual people, like real people. We're gonna do, we're gonna read from John chapter four. We're gonna get into the word here. Uh, I think the word's gonna go up on the screen. So John chapter four, verses three to 15. So he, meaning Jesus, left Judea and returned to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. So even though, isn't that just like the Lord, even though he's tired from a long journey, this is probably about noon, he sits down and still has this conversation with the woman about, about spiritual things. Now she's a little... Confused, not surprisingly, because he has asked her for water. And then he starts talking about giving her water, and that it would be living water. And so she's a little bit confused. And for a couple reasons, even before the water. First, there was uh, men and women often didn't associate like this. And then there was an ethnic difference. You're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan. And if you read further in, in John, like John chapter 8, we see that the term Samaritan was almost like a slur. Like some of the, the uh, <clears throat> teachers would come to Jesus and say, we don't really like what you're saying. You must have a demon. You're a Samaritan. It was an, it was an insult. So the woman's like, how are we even having this conversation? And then you're asking me for water. You don't have a bucket. I know you don't want to use my bucket. So what are, what are we talking about here? And so Jesus is using this opportunity, even though he's probably is naturally thirsty. He's using an opportunity to talk about 
the woman's spiritual condition. So when he talks about living water, he's actually using a, it's a metaphor. He's not really talking about giving her water. He's offering her living water that will quench her thirst and offer eternal benefits. Now when she hears living water, in her mind that means running water, like a stream or, or a brook, which doesn't really make sense because they're at a well, and I, if I were to put this in my language, I'm reading from the NIV, this is the new Eric version. Why would I be at a well cranking this bucket down and cranking it back up in the middle of the day if there was running water around here? If there was a stream somewhere that I could go, I would not be at this well, not realizing that Jesus is not talking about giving her natural water, physical water you can splash around in. He's offering her salvation, spiritual water. Now that term salvation or saved, whenever you see it in the scripture, uh, it comes from the from a Greek root, which I always remember, and the word is actually sos, S-O-S, which we would use like S, like the acronym, save our ship, but it really is uh, a Greek word. It just means to rescue. In this case, Jesus is offering her an opportunity to be rescued from sin and a life of frustration. Again, she is only thinking about the temporary natural refreshment that water would provide. And Jesus is offering her something with eternal repercussions and something that was available to all. He said, you don't realize who I am, who, who's asking you for water. And if you knew, you would ask me for this living water. Let's go back into, into John chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 13 to 15 one more time. Jesus answered, whoever drinks this water, we're at a well, there's water here, whoever drinks it will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. And so the woman said, that sounds pretty good, I'll take that water. What Jesus is saying is, yes, you and I are sitting here at a well. But I can turn you into a well. So you won't have to go hunt down a stream or another well that's maybe shallower or someplace you can go in the cool of the day. I will provide living water inside you so you will never thirst in the way that you're really thirsty. So you think you're just thirsty naturally because it's noon and it's hot and and you would rather be doing other things. And it's not a great time to be at a well. But the real thirst you have is spiritual. And I have a way to satisfy that thirst forever. So let's have a different kind of conversation. I will turn you into a well. Now, Jesus doesn't say specifically what he means here by living water. We know that it's obviously not just water you can splash around in or get this pull in spring, right? He's offering her that the Holy Spirit would come and live on the inside of her. He's offering her salvation, rescue. As we know from other scriptures, though, what he's saying. So hundreds of years earlier, Ezekiel had prophesied. He was a prophet. He prophesied that there will be rebirth that God offers his people. Because his, you know, the, the Jews had wandered away from faithfulness to God. 
and God doesn't mince words and says, I know where you are, you've wandered, but there's going to come a time when I'm going to bring you back. And if you, if you read a little, few verses earlier than what I think was, is up here, he says, I'm going to sprinkle clean water on you. I'm going to make it, I'm going to make us new. We're going to hit the reset in our relationship. Now here's what he says in Ezekiel 36. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. So there's this vision of water and rebirth and restoration of relationship. You read a little further into John, John chapter 7, and Jesus says this. He says, he who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow, there we go, rivers of living water. Now John goes on to explain what Jesus means here. He says, but this he spoke of the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. So again, living water is not what you splash in. <laughs> living water is a spiritual gift. It's a spiritual endowment. There's rebirth, when what the part of her that was spiritual would be reborn. And then there was the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. This is what John says. Rivers of living water will flow from within you. But he's speaking of the Spirit. Now here's a passage that you may recognize uh, this is Paul preaching and or writing to the, the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 6. He says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. So now we have this picture of the Holy Spirit coming to live on the inside of a believer, connected with this metaphor of water. So more and more we're seeing it's not that that Jesus, even though he's tired and thirsty, he has taken the opportunity to speak to her spiritual condition, that the Holy Spirit will come to live on the inside of you. So yes, we're sitting at a well, but I can turn you into a well. Here's the bottom line. Each one of us who is a Christian and follows Jesus is a Holy Spirit well. The Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. Like natural water lives in the well where Jesus was sitting at the woman, the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us as a spiritual well. He comforts us. He helps us to know Jesus better, changes our character to be like Jesus, guarantees <laughs> that when this life is over, we will go to be with Jesus. And the term that's, that's, that's used here, it always makes me laugh, is that the Holy Spirit is a deposit He's like a down payment. He is a first snapshot of heaven. He's a down payment. And he gives us gifts, spiritual gifts, to serve other people. So, if you are a Christian, you are a Holy Spirit well. This is a good deal. So let's go back to the Samaritan one, because she asked a good question, which we don't want to gloss over. She says, where can you get this living water? As I said, if, if I had access to running water, I would not be here. Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself? Or as did also his sons and his livestock? Now, here's what we have to remember from a, just a little bit of history. When Jesus and this woman are having this conversation, this well has already been there for almost 2,000 years. So the woman is saying, if I had any other option, 
I would not be here. We've been using this well for 1,800 to 2,000 years. How is it you have access? I've never seen you before. How is it you have access to water that I don't? Jacob used it. His sons used it. His livestock used it. That conversation was now 2,000 years ago from where we sit today. Archaeologists believe it's, it's one of the few things, in some cases, that archaeologists agree on in terms of ancient findings. Archaeologists believe that well is still there today, 4,000 years ago. I go to the beach, and I dig a hole in the sand. I can't make that hole last five minutes. How is it that this well has survived for 4,000 years? We can put the picture up. Ancient wells, including Jacob's well, where they're sitting, were lined on the inside with bricks. If you look at this picture, you can see around the, hopefully you can see it, around the outside, there's bricks. So a, hole, a well is really just a hole <laughs> drilled in the ground. And it turns out that, and this was, this blew my mind as I was studying, almost anywhere you dig in the ground on Earth, <laughs> if you dig deep enough, you will hit water. Turns out there's more water under our feet from digging than there is in all the rivers and lakes in the world. So in an arid, dry land, when there aren't a lot of rivers and lakes around, a well is life. And so, but a well really is just a hole, just dug down. You just keep digging until you hit water. So that's the well all by itself. So how does it survive for 4,000 years? Well, they're lined on the inside with bricks. So it's, even though we talk about it like a hole, it's really an underground building. So as they dug, they would dig down until they hit water, and then they would start lining the walls of the well with bricks, like you see in that picture, all around, bricks. There's at least two purposes for the bricks. Now, below ground, the bricks in the wall keep some dust and dirt and sand from getting into the water, which if this is your one water supply, there's no faucet, there's no avion, right? I mean, this is your water. You want to keep dirt out and dust out, and you want to prevent collapse because this is the water, right? There's no faucets. This is the water. Above ground, it just looks like a hole. So, you want to keep people from falling into your well. This is an agrarian society, lots of livestock around, as, as, as the Samaritan woman said. Jacob drank from the well. The sons drank from the well. Livestock. You want to prevent, be delicate here, the last thing you want is Billy the goat backing up over your well. And you know, he doesn't know any better, so perhaps relieving himself into your well. This is your water supply. So the well, the bricks of the well might come up a little bit over the surface, right about tail height, if you get my meaning, just so we don't have any accidents, because this is the water supply. So we want to prevent contamination of water by the sand and the dirt down below, and by Billy, who might 
accidentally back up into the well and cause problems. There's certain things we don't want in the well. Now, we said that believers are spiritual wells. And this new life also needs to be protected. So what are our bricks today? Here's what, here's what Jesus said in the book of John. We're just going to kind of hover in John for a little while. This is John chapter 8. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. So our bricks today are the scriptures, the words of Jesus and his followers. And specifically, because you can do a lot of things with scriptures, right? I mean, a lot of, you, can, you can come to the Bible and extract almost any theology that you want. So what we want is sound teachings from the scriptures, not just verses, right? We want to understand what is the Bible teaching accurately. So here are some benefits. It's the same benefits to our spiritual wells that the natural wells enjoy from the bricks. They help prevent contamination of our hearts from the ungodly world around us from the uncleanness around us. We talked about the goat with the natural well, but with the spiritual well, there's just as much uncleanness around, things that God doesn't like. And so the scriptures help us to keep certain things out of our hearts. As well as under the ground, which is mostly what we think about, like in that picture, it keeps our our ways of thinking that don't necessarily align with what God says, out of our hearts. Old ways of thinking, old habits that God is not necessarily in favor of, they may still be hanging around because God is still working on this. God's still working on me. Is he still working on you? So there's some things that I'm still working out that I don't want polluting my relationship with God or my interactions with other people. So the same way that the bricks protect the natural well, the scriptures protect our hearts. So this ensures that we'll have a relationship with Jesus that is pure and a ministry to others that is untainted. The Holy Spirit is on the inside. We don't want things that are not like God getting into what God wants to do through us. Amen? Now, Jesus has never met this woman, as far as she can tell, and there's no recording that they have any relationship. But if you read into, further into John chapter 4, Jesus shows that he knows all about her lifestyle, her past, her present, and the woman is blown away. And with everything else that he says, she says, this guy must be the Messiah. And she runs and tells all her neighbors and the neighbors come. This is what, how John describes it in John chapter 4. It says, they came out of the town and made their way toward him. Many of the Samaritans, I'm going to skip a little bit down, to, um, combining verses 30, 39, and 40 so you can get the picture. They came out of the town, made their way toward him. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. 
So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. There's a community in PT that's very much like these neighbors. So we come together on, on Tuesday nights, at 7 o'clock, on Zoom, and it's, the Bible it's our Bible study. I have the, the privilege of, of leading the Bible study now, and not surprisingly, we call it the well. Because just like the neighbors came to meet with Jesus at the well, we come together to study the word and meet with Jesus at the well. Now maybe you say, well, Eric, maybe you like to read. I, I'm just not a reader. I, I, you know, I, I'll do other things in the church. I'll serve. Um, but reading is just not my thing. I know I need to read, but reading is not my thing. And I, I get it. I get it. We were a pretty studious family growing up, but that wasn't cool when you were a kid. It's just, it's just not cool to be. It wasn't my day cool to be studious. So I, as a kid down the street, I used to say, you know, if you go to anybody else's house at Halloween for trick-or-treating, you get M&Ms, you get Snickers, you get Twizzlers. You go to Eric's house, and they're going to give you books. And I was like, that's, that's not right. That, that's, that's not right. I'm trying to do my thing. Plus, everybody knew we gave away calculators, so it was, it was just, it's just wrong. But there's power in reading, and I'm so much stronger spiritually when I'm reading the scriptures regularly than I am when I'm not. It's, it's, a, it's a real fact. And so I definitely encourage you to develop a set-aside time for just you and the Lord to, to go through the word, go through the scriptures and read on your own. I also want to encourage us to take advantage of what God has given the church. So in Ephesians chapter 4, and this may be a familiar passage, uh, Paul talks about offices or gifts or callings that he's given the church. He talks about the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist. Then he gets to the pastor and the teacher. Now, at Bible study, we have teachers that God has called to teach and gifted to teach. And I looked up what a teacher is a bit. What, what did Paul mean when he, wrote, he talked about teachers? And as I said, a lot of the, well, the New Testament in general is written in Greek and it's translated into English. So to teach is to instruct, surprise, surprise. But to instruct is literally to pile upon. And this is what we're going to do. I got my bin here. This is what we do at Bible study. These are my bricks. These are our scriptures, our teachings. And what we do is we go through the scriptures and we teach people that come, but we're, as the teachers, we're learning ourselves how to pile the scriptures together and build our well. How do I put the scriptures together in my heart so that I'm strong and my heart, my relationship with God is untainted. What I serve others is pure. And so we, we've been going through, if you go to the PT website, there's a, a listing of all of our beliefs as a church. And so we're tackling these questions so that we stay strong, we stay pure, and we're able to serve people 
with purity. So we're tackling real issues like who God is, just basic things, because the world has a certain vocabulary, a certain way of explaining things about God that are not always accurate. And so we need the scriptures to tell us who God really is. And so in Exodus chapter 3, we see Moses asking this question. God, who are you? I see this bush on fire. It doesn't make any sense. It's not getting consumed. But who are you? And God explains who he is. What is the Bible? Basic questions. And I think a lot of us would be challenged just to answer some of these, these questions. So in 2 Timothy chapter 3.16, Paul says that, that all scripture is inspired by God. And this is why it's so important for us to study. Hope you see what I'm doing here. I'm building a well. I'm building a wall around my heart. What is the church? 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. Some of these may sound familiar, where Peter writes, But you are a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood, called out to show forth the praises of God. And so we just go through these teachings Lesson by lesson, what does God like? What does he dislike? We study how much God loves me. And, that, and I, I think most of us can quote a scripture along those lines, John 3.16. How much does God love me? Well, he loved me so much he sent his only son to repair the broken relationship between mankind and himself. Ooh. What biblical love is, the world has a certain definition of love. It's not necessarily biblical love. In fact, we sang about love in one of our early songs. We said, Jesus, you love me too much. Your love is patient. Your love is kind. It's not just Valentine's Day. <laughs> There's a character that goes along with love. And John goes on to say, God is love. So there's a, there's a certain definition that God has for these teachings that the world does not necessarily agree with. As Christians, it's important to understand what does God say about these things? Because the world has sort of adopted them. doesn't mean it's, it's always accurate. Okay, forgiveness. God is faithful and just to forgive us. And that charge is to us as well to forgive one another. Who is Jesus? He's not just a good man, not just a good teacher, not just a historical figure. He is, as Paul writes in Colossians, the image of the invisible God. Jesus is God. So we've talked about recently, actually, in Bible study about the deity of Christ. And if you go, again, to the website, you'll see all these, these doctrines laid out. And so we just keep building building and building and now my heart is protected from impurity in the world from Billy the goat from my own ways of thinking that don't align with the scriptures because I've built a wall around my heart that's based on the scriptures. And unless I make it my goal, my intent, 
I, I commit time to studying the scriptures, then I will just absorb what the world says or what my own mind says is true about God. So this is why we come together on Tuesday nights. Our mission as a church is restoring broken lives. What we want is not only for a, our own pure relationship with God, but when people come and sit down at the well of our hearts next to us and they're weary like Jesus was, we want to make sure that what we can provide to them in ministry and service and teaching is pure and refreshing. So I'm going to pause there. Maybe you're listening and you can relate to the woman at the well. And maybe you're listening and you would say, you know, I am I'm not a well. I, I'm not, the Holy Spirit does not live in me. I don't have relationship with God. And I've tried to fill the holes in my life in other ways, ways that weren't healthy or ways that didn't bring me close to God. And Paul says that God really makes it easy for us to change that dynamic. In Romans chapter 10, it simply says, if we would tell God that Jesus will now be our Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised Jesus from the dead, we'll be saved. We'll be Christians. So if you would, let's bow our heads, close our eyes, If this is you, whether you're here in the sanctuary or you're online and you say, I'm, I'm, not, a, I'm not a well. The Holy Spirit doesn't live in me. I don't have that, the relationship with God that I, that I need to have. I don't have this kind of wholeness that you talk about. The thirst that I have for something I can't even name is not being met in the ways that I'm trying to meet it. And this was where the woman found herself. I mean, what Jesus said to her was, now that you know these things, now that you understand what I'm offering, go call your husband. And she said, I have no husband. And Jesus said, yeah, I know. And the last five men that you were with also were not your husband. And he doesn't, he doesn't blast her. He doesn't ridicule her or criticize her. He just says, I know where you are. And this is why I'm here, not just to get a drink of water. I came because I want to make you a well. And in making you a well, I can make you well. So if this is you, and, and you would say, I, I don't have this fortress around my heart. I don't have the relationship with God that I, I need. And the things I've done to get that thirst addressed have not borne fruit. They've not brought me to where I, I need to be. Why don't you just pray this prayer with me, again, whether you're online or here in the sanctuary. So you can pray, and, and so that no one is embarrassed, let's just pray this together. I will pray the initial words, and then you can just repeat after me. Father, I admit 
that I am not yet a Christian. But I now believe that Jesus died for my sins and that you brought him back to life so that I could become your child. So going forward, Jesus will be my Lord. And I know that I am now a Christian. And that's what God calls us to do. That's, that's all that it takes to become God's child. If you prayed this prayer and you're online, if you would just send a note, I believe there's an email address on the, the screen in front of you, just send us a note and let us know uh, that you prayed this prayer and you want to begin your relationship with God. In closing, I want to invite you to come to, to Bible study on, on, on Tuesday night. Our, our motto, our slogan is live well, love well, serve well, and Jesus will say, well done. So, amen. Hope to see you on Tuesday night. God bless. <laughs>
having the eyes of your hearts or of your understanding enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in you the saints and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. I bless you in your knowledge of Jesus in his name. And everybody say, I receive that blessing. Go in peace. Amen. Hey, family. Thank you so much for joining us for today's service. Special thanks to those of you who continue to generously support the work of this ministry. We are so grateful for you, and it's because of you that we can be a blessing to this community. If you enjoyed the service today, please like, share with your friends and family, and subscribe to our channel so that you can get a notification whenever our services go live. We also invite you to follow us on social media at PT Cambridge in order to stay connected to this ministry. Hey, we look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks for watching and God bless you.